We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What a Podcasters in dismay and struggling to come up with reaction as football this weekend was, it says here, quite excellent. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, Chelsea had to go 120 minutes, implode. Kepa won't leave the nets. Sorry's going crazy. Caballero looks like he wants to kill someone, and they wind up losing anyway. Uh, United and Liverpool play out a bore scoreless draw where everybody for United left injured in the first half. Spurs lost quite hilariously to Burnley with Pochettino going nuts at Mike Dean. And we won comfortably. It is literally the platonic ideal of a football weekend, minus the fact that we're chasing fourth place instead of a title. But it was pretty fucking excellent. And if you can't get excited about that, then maybe this isn't the sport for you. You don't get much better than Arsenal winning comfortably and a ton of shade and Freud going down at the same time. So... Enjoy it. Soak it up. It's good stuff. Paul's here. He's on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Hello, pause. Platonic indeed. I didn't get to have any sex this weekend. Well, maybe the first thing you need to do is sign up for the Enclosed. We can tell you more about that down the road. Tim's here. You can find him on Twitter, at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. Uh, the only reason is not the platonic ideal uh, of a footballing weekend is there's no Clive on this podcast. So for the six of you left, we are going to talk uh, about the Arsenal and what was, uh, I thought, a quite satisfactory 2-0 victory. Um, Tim, I'll start with you. I think, you know, the, the there are a lot of people that are kind of just fed up with the back three and uh-huh. feel that it has been the cause of all our misery and despair, that it is emblematic. I blame Tim for that. Yeah, it's Tim's fault. Uh, that is emblematic <laughs> of the conservatism of the coach. But whatever the agenda or narrative associated with it, the back three has kind of become public enemy number one, and it was ditched, and we went with the back four. And I have to admit, we looked pretty darn good. And I thought the selection mm. reflected all the things that I felt we didn't really have early in the season, an understanding of rotating. We have three games in the league this week. We have the Europa League coming back. Lacazette can't play in the Europa League, so he was picked this week. Just kind of felt like yep. a savvy, smooth uh, selection. I mean, did, was this the first time all season where you kind of looked at all the choices and everything that happened, how things clicked into place in the rotation, and you just said, sure, this feels like how the club should be run and how we should be doing it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I felt um, in the way we played in the first half, this was the first time in a little while where I, I kind of remembered what Emery Ball is or our like very early kind of um, estimations of it. This was a little bit more like what we were playing earlier in the season um and and you know albeit it wasn't it wasn't always brilliant and it wasn't always but you know that 4231 he's i i think basically what you saw in this game was who emery's guys are you know um 
it was Awobi and Mkhitaryan, um, Ramsey kind of doing that high press number 10, um, and you've got Lacazette up front, and Arsenal obviously set up a little bit for the high press. So did Southampton, which actually played into Arsenal's hands because totally they did that, mm-hmm. playing it around the back and sucking them in, and then going over the top and and finding room. And you know, and and I think um, I think you just saw uh, maybe with the slight exception of Genduzi, who's clearly one of you know Emery's guys. This was very much. Um, I think we got kind of Emery's vision a little bit more for how he likes to set up and the players that are best placed to do it. Whereas, um, you know, Ozil and maybe even Aubameyang, who's who's a great goal scorer, but doesn't necessarily slot into the team per se, because all he really does is take shots at goal. So instead you had what I think was close to um, Emery's best unit. Um, and again, that doesn't mean his 11 best players. That just means the players best suited to what he wants to do. And um, some of the football we saw in the in the first half, it, well, I, I said to the guys I go with at half time, I was like, this, this is the first time I've enjoyed watching Arsenal in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Chelsea game was, I think, tactically very well thought out. I still think if Chelsea had a half decent striker at that point, maybe if they had Higuain, we might uh, that game might have played out differently. But still, the plan was good, and we executed it against Spurs. You know, look, everyone enjoys a victory over Spurs, but that was genuinely exhilarating because we played in two different ways. You know, in the first half an hour, we went after them, we pressed high, and then in the last half an hour, we bought on Ramsey and Lacazette, did that split striker thing, and kind of pulled Tottenham apart. But this was the first time we'd kind of beaten up on one of the little guys, I think, since Fulham away, um, maybe back in October when we beat them 5-1. This felt like the first time, you know, we we really saw something we've lost for the last few months, which was, oh, yeah, this this is, I remember this. This was kind of how it looked like we were at least trying to play at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, and and that was that was in, incredibly pleasing, and that that first half, particularly the last kind of fifteen minutes of the half, I, I thought we played some of the best football we played this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So let me just follow up with you for one second, Tim. I mean, I have kind of thought that Emery's football has looked best, and his his tactical preparations approaches look best in the big games, and mm-hmm. fairly drab and and poor in some of the small games. Now, in a big game, even if you look good. We don't have the best team in the world. You're still going to lose your fair share of those games, even if you look better. Um, Do you think the fact that we played a team that wanted to come out and press and give us passing lanes to play around the press and allow us to build the play the way he wants to and, you know, really did give us those options on on the wings to to get into space and Mm. create attacks sort of in the way that we're set up to do it. Do you think this was sort of the first time we've seen, I I guess the best way I could say it is his, his sort of big game approach work against a smaller team because yeah. the smaller team played the way the bigger teams tend to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we've heard a lot of, uh, you know, I, I don't know for myself with my own eyes, but certainly that was one of the things I'd read about Harsen Hootel, um, you know, when he came here, that he had that very kind of high press approach and, and it looked like we were ready for it um, this time. And, and yeah, absolutely. And you saw, you know, I think, Leno had his best game in a while um, and that's because he's a very uh, and and I think some of that came from the fact that he's his distribution is very useful um, in games like this I know um, I know some people have kind of had some qualms about him going long quite a lot because they'd heard about what a good passer he was and things like that but actually I, I think he always pretty much always makes good decisions with the ball and sometimes like he doesn't always have to go short or to the fullback or to the centre half. Sometimes the good decision is to go long, and particularly if you're trying to suck opponents in, um, I, I think he's pretty judicious uh, with the ball at his feet. And, and I think you got the best performance from him for a while. We got the best performance from Kalasinac for a while, who also actually defended um, on this occasion. Um, you know, Xhaka and Torreira were together for the first time in a little while. And, you know, you've got Xhaka playing really well, progressing the ball. And yeah, we just, we just had Southampton kind of played into our hands a little bit because we were able, we had that exit strategy. We were able to go right ball to Xhaka. Xhaka's got Iwobi and Mkhitaryan in those half spaces. We've got the fullbacks overlapping. 
Um, we've got Lacazette working hard up front, and and it was all um, it, it it all kind of went to what I assume was the plan. And it's probably not a huge coincidence that um, the second half tailed off a little bit for a number of reasons, which I'm sure we'll go into. But I think one of them was, funnily enough, losing Licksteiner. Um, and not having a natural right back, I, I think that disrupted us um, a little bit when Mustafi moved to right back. So, um, yeah, I, I think basically Emery's chalkboard came to life in this game. Yeah. Uh, so, and I agree. And and so, Paul, one thing that kind of struck me is that the stars of this game, uh, Lionel Kolasinac. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I believe it's Sad Messi. I mean, sorry, Sad Kolasinac. Um, and then uh, 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 Wobi, who was excellent, Mkhitaryan, Licksteiner, I think deserves credit for a good game, given that we kill him a lot for having bad games. I'm curious, in your mind, is this also a reflection of Hassan Hill getting it wrong in the first half? And again, not not that we didn't get it right, but that, you know, the, the back three allows you to be more compact through the middle of the defense, but those wingbacks like to get up the pitch, and that means that there's vulnerability and space where we want to get it into the channels, you know, into the into the um, the wings, playing the overlaps, and I, I thought the spaces vacated by the wingbacks gave us a lot of joy down those sides. So, good performances from our wide players. Do you think it was heavily influenced by his first half choice of a back three uh, from Hassan? Yeah, sure, Hill, obviously, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure looking back on it, he'd have done it differently if he got a second chance at it, but. Uh, as as I think a number of people have alluded to, this game could have had a very de- different uh, path. I mean, you got to think we were going to win this one way or another, but you never know. I mean, they certainly they had the best first chance that that uh, quick ball over the top to Nathan Redmond's. I mean, I had to look at that two or three times. I was convinced he was off by five yards, but he wasn't. Um, and they sprung that trap on us, and they had another excellent. Uh, that was a great burnt Leno block with his body. Uh, they had another excellent opportunity minutes later. Um, and we kind of converted both of those transitions. Uh, the first one very quickly and uh, very quickly after their second opportunity, we got our second goal. We had two goals by, I think it was 17 minutes. Um, so it was kind of, it was kind of shoot out at the okay corral of lasting 90 minutes, but shootouts only take a few minutes. So, Anything could have happened in those first few minutes. I think he gambled, and it might have paid off. Um, What I thought was very interesting, I'm glad he played the way he did for two reasons. Um, One, the result. But two, as you alluded to, it allowed us to play uh, what I think we thought was Emery ball at the start of the season, and halfway through the season, nobody could conclude what Emery ball was or whether they wanted to watch it. But the high risk bleeding, living on the bleeding edge, playing out for the back was exhilarating. Um, I don't know if we actually always got it right, but that's kind of the point to playing out from the back uh, at times. You you live on the edge, you pull them in. Um, I thought in particular what gave me heart was Chaka looked like he had fast feet, for 40, especially for the first 45 minutes. I mean, there was the one ball across the midfield, which was... Uh, a brain fart moment, but if you ignore that, and well, I the, the only to... thing about ignoring that, Paul, that I will say is he's just got to get that out of his game. I, you could say, well, every player makes mistakes. He makes those kind of suicidal mistakes too frequently. And again, I'm not trying to kill him. I'm just saying that's pass you can't make. I mean, that that can cost yeah. you the game in a, in a game where a goal can can be yeah, the yeah. difference. You know? Yeah, yeah. But ignoring that. Yeah. No, please do. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> ignoring that, he was bloody brilliant. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, and I don't just really mean fantastic. his passing and and his string pulling. He was quick. Now, part of, it's not all down to him. Uh, him and Torreira on a good day is a great pairing. But just how we moved the ball across the back, I I hammered Mustafi for his distribution a couple of games ago, especially his long balls. Um, he was really good pinging the ball around upfield. Uh, they all were. And... I mean, this was a defensive action. Um, and then on the other end, you know, I've been bitching for a while that we don't press and I've gotten used to it at this stage. Obviously, it's a scheme. We only when he pressed the big guys. But this was exhilarating seeing the upfront press. I mean, that's where the goals mostly came from or the second goal. Certainly uh, the first goal was just playing out from the back on the edge, knocking it around. And as Tim said, 
this was the most fun we've had in a long time and it's not even close. Um, it was great, just great. And, and, and I liked the fact that they packed the midfield so that they pressed us and they pressed our midfield and we handled it and we played through it and we knocked it about. Um, it was, it's the kind of thing that gives you heart. Uh, we've been in and around fourth place for a while now, but I haven't felt that we actually had the wherewithal to make top four. Now, this is just one game, but you come out of that feeling pretty good at, at the end of the weekend, not just because of where we're at or or the win or the other guys losing, but you saw enough in that. Uh, uh, and I, I think we're, it, it was such a performance that you wonder, why did we all think, why were we so enthused and encouraged that we moved to a back three at one point? I mean, you can kind of pick through the reasons, but there don't seem like enough of them to say to yourself, why would we move away from playing from the, the structure and the way we can play? Well, Cause, I, I think some of that was just... When you look yeah. at... The, Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's, you know, there's a lot of personnel stuff in there, but we've still got a lot of injuries now, and yet we've strung together a team uh, where we have some good options now, and hopefully good options coming off the bench going forward. It was very heartening see, to see Mesut Ozil come on and really contribute. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, okay, the second half wasn't as good, but in some ways... Uh, there were, it had its own gems that matched the first half, largely uh, centering around Ozil. So, a lot to enjoy there. Cl- Clive would be proud of how comprehensive that response was, Paul. It was detailed, spanning many important topics. I feel uh, educated, uh, uh, taken to school uh, by when that. you considered that I went out of my way to ignore the Chaka topic. Yeah, it was perfect. Was... You pretty much nailed, nailed all. Uh, so, Clive, uh, Clive's on Twitter at Pausing in My Pants. Um, so, <laughs> Well, look, there's and the thing with Shaka, Tim, you know, I wonder if if he didn't really sort of benefit from the way the opposition set up a little. And, and you can kind of see why he works so well in an Emory system, because I think his strongest passing is that sort of around the corner line breaking pass out to the wing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The way he yeah. bends the ball around the opposition midfield into Awobi or into Kolasinac. Um, you know, he really zips the ball in like that. The way Spins he likes it. to spray his pass, passes, he, if you notice... He doesn't really pass vertically, like through the middle third of the pitch. You know, no, he, no. he he passes out to the wings really well. And so he was finding Awobi and, and Kolasinac, and they were overlapping well, and they were doing the job. So for me, I mean, that was really good. Look, I thought the goal, our goal, came at a really inopportune time, ironically. Because the goal came so soon after their chance that I didn't have the chance to write my tweet about Mustafi. And I, I felt that that was a real miss. But um, let's talk about how that goal developed. I mean, first of all, I, I read a lot that people aren't convinced by Leno, and I'm not sure why not. I mean, okay, I, I don't think he's Ederson. I don't think he's De Gea necessarily. But he was brilliant in this game. I mean, he, he made some very important saves when they needed to be made. I thought his distribution was mostly good. Can you put your finger on anything that's particularly concerning about Leno, which is why people are still not sure about him? How do you feel? I mean, obviously he was good in this game. How do you feel about him generally? So I um I I think a lot of people feel kind of like I feel, which is that he's good. He's a, he's a good goalkeeper. Um, I I can't really point to many goals this season. Maybe one or two, um, which which I think you know most goalkeepers will go through where you think, oh, that was that was a mistake. Like he he hasn't like lobbed the ball in his own yet in his own net yet, which is all fine. Um, I I don't get the sense that he's a really top goalkeeper. Um, but that's just probably what happens when you spend two years in the Europa League and you've got an aging goalkeeper and you've got to replace him. You've, you've kind of got to go with, you know, go with a fairly youngish guy who you think is going to have some upside. But what, what I do think is, I, I mean, his, his distribution, like I said earlier, like I, I think has always been very good, whether he goes short or long, I think he tends to make the right decision. Um, and, you know, just just compare and contrast to when Czech comes back in and that ball rolls back to him and how it makes you feel and how it makes the opposition feel because they, they really sense they can get something. Whereas with Leno, um, you know, no, no one really presses him. Um, mm-hmm. They understand that that's not going to work. He's pretty unflappable. Um, in, t- in terms of his actual goalkeeping, uh, you know, he's he's got areas of improvement, I think coming out for crosses for example coming out for corners i still think he's a bit unconvincing but for a goalkeeper he's he's still at a nice age and that can all improve so uh, 
in truth yeah I, like we've we've had we've had worse goalkeepers we don't need to name them um i i think he's a bit seven out of ten which which is fine like with um what we've got to do in the squad that this you know this isn't um i i'm fine enough with him that this isn't like a priority area to look to upgrade he's in that little group of players i think um maybe like Xhaka um and players like that who who you kind of think well look we got a job to do to get back in the champions league for one two three seasons and if and when we do that then you look at guys like that and say well is this the guy that takes us to that next level which is challenging for the league um and but you know all all of those guys are you know like Iwobi, Xhaka, Leno they're all at a good age where we don't have to make rush judgments on them it's going to take a little while to get back to where we want to be so they've got time to prove themselves so you know hopefully in two to three years we're back in the top four things are things are quite nice we're looking at going to the next level and you know if if they're still at the same level maybe you take some of those calls but I don't think Leno's unconvincing per se I, I just think people aren't convinced that he's going to be a you know a really top draw goalkeeper and I probably share that reservation at the moment but remain totally open-minded yeah I, I guess I certainly don't see him as being someone who's restricting our ability to achieve what this team no. can realistically achieve in its current iteration you and know what he I mean? doesn't he he's not making anyone nervous, is he? He's not no. like I, I don't look at it and think, oh, he's he's probably got a rick in him today. Like no. I don't I don't I don't feel like that. I I just maybe feel that some of the saves that the likes of Alisson and Edison and and uh, De Gea are capable of, I you know I'm not sure he's quite at that level. But I I don't you know I don't think I don't shit myself when the ball goes near him. See what I will say is I think Edison changes games with his feet in a demonstrable yep. way. I mean, there, there was yep. a pass at the end of the Carabao Cup where he just kicked, he dribbled it to about 30 yards out of his goal yeah, yeah. and then pinged it right onto the foot of, was it Aguero? All the way down, was in extra time. I, I, th- I think it was, yeah, he dropped it on the edge yeah, of the area. It's just yeah. incredible, and he, he does that a lot. And it's, So whether he goes long, it's accurate, he goes short, it's accurate, he's comfortable on the ball. I watched Neuer, for example, really control the game and, and essentially undermine Liverpool's pressing tactics uh, in the first leg of that Champions League tie, because they could go back to him with that confidence. And I think a keeper who is good with his feet means you don't have to lose a possession. And that is that is very valuable. As far as saving shots, would I like an octopus like De Gea? Of course. But my qualification for a goalkeeper, I think, Tim, is to say, don't let in ones you shouldn't let in. You know what I mean? Don't lose me the game dropping a yeah, ring, yeah. as you said. And and I certainly yeah. don't think Leno does that. I want to come back to you with another question, Tim, but I know uh, Paul had 30 seconds, he claims, on Leno. <laughs> Paul? So, uh, yeah, I think that's all good stuff uh, and agree with all that. The one category I'd say he's 10 out of 10 on is that he really suits our style. Uh, he really, uh, and that's the, the, if you like, the Emery ball style. So he's a guy who can play the ball super quick, uh, very confident with the ball at his feet, likes being on the bleeding edge, and uh, he's got the right mentality. And if he can add handling crosses, handling more of the English game in, a, in over the next season or two, maybe he'll go from being, say, 7 out of 10 as a general goalkeeper to 8, 8 and a bit. Maybe he's got some growth in him. Um you know, there are some saves that a Peter Cech even will make that Leno won't at the moment. Uh, and some balls will come from, from that might turn into goals that Cech would come for. Um, but I think overall, uh, he's just he's pretty perfect for the style, even if he's not a 10 out of 10 ability keeper. He's a 10 out of 10 match for how we want to be playing. Yeah, I, I certainly think he fits the style, if not, you know, flawless in terms of his quality. I certainly think he's he's... Yeah. Much more the profile keeper than Czech was, Tim. The um, you know, the game was decided, I, I think, in large part due to our ability to break their press and and create those overloads on the wings. And there, it's been a meme this season. I think that oh, we just want to overload the wings and cut it back, ha ha ha. But like, mm. it, it is an effective strategy, and City actually use it quite a bit. And we've talked about this at mm. ad nauseum about how maybe we just lack the right personnel for it. But what I want to focus on is playing with one up top instead of two up top. You know, sometimes mm. we play with two up top, but one of them drifts wide. And I don't think either Oba or Laka uh, are 
as accomplished as Mkhitaryan and Iwobi in those in those half spaces and on no. the wings. Um, not that either of them are necessarily naturally wingers. So I feel that we have more balance with one up top. Um, mm-hmm. I thought this game was sort of the clearest sense of that because we created challenges not purely down the left, but down the right as well. Um, mm. And I think some of the reason we've been lopsided is also related to the lack of Bellerin and not having a fullback on the right who can really overlap and, and Mkhitaryan's absence when we didn't have anyone to play in his role. But do you see Emery going forward, not only playing a back four, but increasingly choosing one of Lacazette and Aubameyang based on sort of the, mm. just the, the greater balance and diversification of our, of our attacking style with, with two more naturally wide players on the pitch? Yeah, absolutely. I I really do. And um, like you know, like I said earlier, when I I said I I saw this as uh how like how Emery wants to play. I think having one up front is part of that. Um, and I think so. I think uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang works together if they've got Ramsey coming in behind them, which is possibly slightly more offensive than Emery wants to be but you know that that works well when we play the diamond it worked well against Chelsea it worked well in the second half against Spurs but yeah now he's got Mkhitaryan back now he's got Denis Suarez he's got more options um for those for those kind of wide forward areas and we know he really wants to play with those kind of inside forwards that's that's how he was at PSG and that's how he started the season here. And he only really went away from that when Mkhitaryan got injured. So, um, and, and, you know, we, we, in a sense, pushed the boat out to get Denis Suarez. And it's obvious because that's the type of player he wants. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely do. And I, I think um, that's quite a smart way of handling things as well in terms of, you know, we've only got two strikers for the rest of the season. We've got to look after them. And particularly if we're going to get into the thick of the Europa League now, the games are going to come really, really thick and fast. We can rotate those two. We can um, bring one, as a, one on as a sub one week, one the next week. We can change it up. Um, I think both of them um, can play, you know, in in that kind of behind two wide forwards. I think it suits either of them. Maybe if you're doing what we did to Southampton, which was a bit of a high press. Yeah, absolutely. Lacazette with Ramsey behind him. If you want to play a high press, if you don't, then, yeah, maybe you can go Ozil and Aubameyang or you can mix you can mix and match those players. We we all know our, our attack is. In one hand, on one hand, it's where our strength is because it's where the biggest concentration of talent in the squad is, and on the other hand, it's our big weakness because it's very difficult to balance. And I think we kind of said at the beginning of the season when we were talking about Ramsey, when Ramsey started to become a rotation option, that actually felt like that was a, a fairly smart way of handling it, um, of of kind of rotating these mm. players around. And yeah, and and I think like the suspension to Lacazette gives perhaps gives Emery the, uh, for want of a better word, excuse he needs to perhaps not start Aubameyang um, in these games. He's not scored for three or four games now. So, you know, that that gives him his reason um, to do that. And, you know, Lacazette scores a goal and obviously he goes and runs over to his mate Aubameyang. So um, maybe he can kind of use that friendship and that partnership that they certainly have off the pitch. Um, to his advantage a bit and they can be happy for each other and Aubameyang still tried to tee Lacazette up for a goal in the second half um, so you know maybe, maybe that can um, increase their well-being levels in terms of seeing one another, one another play um, but yeah I I, I think um, for most of the rest of the season uh, give you know assuming that the likes of Iwobi, Mkhitaryan, Suarez stay fit I, I do think that's what we'll see. Suarez um that doesn't ring a bell. Who who's, who's that? <laughs> it will soon enough. It will soon enough. I will wager that it will not. But we we will come to that. <laughs> Let's come to that later. Um, well, before we take a break, uh, Paul, I think you know you you look at this, and another thing that we talked about after Huddersfield is just the the inaccuracy of passing, the the lack of precision and and technical security on the ball that we've been seeing, uh, especially since. You know, Kolasinac has been playing and, and without Bellerin. In the Huddersfield game, Kolasinac passed at 50%. Iwobi was about 60-something percent. And so when they put us under pressure, we were giving the ball away by not completing passes, turning possession over. And when you don't have consistent periods of possession, especially getting around the press, it's hard to create chances. And in this game, 
both Kolasinac and Uwobi were passing around 83-84%. That's a very simplistic statistical way to look at things, uh, which is exactly the level I want to stay on, so we'll stay there. No, um, I, I just think that we pinged the ball around a little more in this game. You know, the first half, we created more openings because we played out from the back more um, accurately, more consistently, more... Um, with more technical security, and I, I don't think that that can be overstated. I also think that Genduzi playing is great, but he likes to pass the ball up the middle of the pitch. He likes to split the defense. He likes to play long, and Shaq will just pick his head up, put it on his left, and ping it out to those, you know, those the, the left winger or the left fullback. And that's not necessarily how Genduzi likes to do it. So, do you think a big chunk of our effectiveness in that first half can also just be put down to? Players playing football better, passing to each other more accurately, being you know a little more precise in their actions. Look, it's very hard to put your finger on it, uh, why we were so much better in terms of play. I mean, you, I'd be, I tend to lean on, hey, if you're playing out from the back, that means you stretch them out as you play it up through midfield. Uh, and I'm sure that was a factor of it, p- finding people in space, being able to progress, being on the fr- front foot, maybe having them on the back foot so that uh, you have a little more space when you run at them. But yet there were other times. I mean, you can think of various uh, patches of play where we had Iwobi and, and uh, Kolasinac fairly static uh, and them in fairly good positions. And yet all of our triangles came off just really quick footwork. Mm-hmm. Um really precise, really accurate, and it defies a simple reason as to why (laughs) all the passes uh, for large periods of the first half found their man just where they should at really rapid speed. Everything came off, um, and I don't think there's a good answer for that. I mean, we were at home. We were were on the front foot. We were feeling good. uh, We had the wind behind us, but, but really... We were just we were just clicking on the day, and some days it's your days, your day, and some day it's not, and and some days you you chase the bear, some days the bear chases you, and we had a good day. Yeah, and I think the the danger is when this happens, it's to think that that is then what's going to happen going forward. I mean, will Kolasinac pass at eighty four percent going forward? I it's unlikely because historically he has not. Um, but, you know, if you yeah. look at the pass map in the first half, you see a lot of those short, successful, completed passes in the defensive and middle third in the areas where Shaka, Awobi, and Kolasinac uh, were. And, you know, we got around them and played out that way. And I, I think that that you, you look at that and you say, look, if those passes are not completed, those moves break down, the possession breaks down. It doesn't mean that Southampton necessarily hurts you, but it certainly means that you can't, push them back and sustain pressure and, and create those opportunities. So, you know, to yeah, me... And, and yeah, go I, ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at those and you look at those passes, I mean, th- those were passes under pressure. I mean, they had the two wing backs pushed up. They had three in midfield. So they were there to press, and yet our passing was better, faster, crisper. Um, so it is kind of intriguing why we're just so good, especially on the left side. Uh, I thought obviously Mikatarian had a great day uh, with the goal, etc. But it was in some ways without the goal uh, and without us having a winning performance, you could be quite. This was another Mikatarian performance, one where he made plenty of mistakes, plenty of passes went awry. What what you'd say beyond the goal is the Mikatarian Awobi thing just works. The Mikatarian thing itself works. Uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of. The good days with Theo Walcott, the the two or three seasons where uh, he'd play and good things happened in his corner, even though he wasn't the world's most technically proficient player, even though half the shit he tried, he tripped over the ball. Um, it just worked as a factor. And, you know, I'm not comparing. Mikatarian's a very accomplished, skillful player, but he is very... He's kind of like Ramsey. It's it's shit or bust. It's he'll try a flick. He he'll um, hit it first time and just hope to blast it through. Um, a lot of the stuff he tried didn't work, come off, but the Mikatarian dynamic, especially with the Wobie on the other side, did work for us. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, you look at Colasinac, 25 passes completed to Awobi and I think 18 to Shaka. Uh, you, you know, you look in that, just by way of comparison, you look in that uh, Huddersfield game, and it was 18 to Awobi, so fewer, but, you know, still a decent amount. But after that, it was Monreal, three to Lacazette, two to Ganduzi, who was ostensibly playing sort of the uh, the Shaka role. And I just think combining for the short passes, the, the way Shaka made himself available and ran the midfield and fed it back to Kolasinac, I, I think that helped us play around Southampton and get into the attacking third. I, I saw interesting statistics today from Orbino uh, on Twitter, who, who you know uh, has the Opta data, and Arsenal lead the league in percentage of passes in our defensive third and percentage mm. of passes in our half. And that's a problem. And I think a lot of that has been the sloppiness and inability to just build play from the back. And a lot of that's been down inaccurate passing. And I think we cleaned that up a lot. I mean, Tim, I don't want to freeze I wonder you. if... I do want to freeze I you out of this conversation. If, I take it back. Yeah, go, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wonder if Chaka isn't, part, isn't kind of a drug for that because he thrives in playing those balls from our third into theirs. Yeah, and, and he might if, be on drugs at times. So I think, you know, yeah. the, the analogy holds up. Um, Tim... I do want to get your thoughts on this before we take a break. I mean, how how much of what ails us is just, you know, poor technical security, poor technique, you know, just a, I think the technical level in the squad is maybe a little low. I don't think that's, you know, being overly negative. And I thought mm-hmm. technically we were better against Southampton and you could see the, the, the difference almost immediately. I mean, is there something to be said for the fact that, you know, when the players that you're trying to build play through are cleaner with the ball and and have a good technical game you're going to play better yeah absolutely i mean this was um like a 17 degree day in february um in london and and it kind of showed in the performance those those things were better i i do think that some of that um is possibly down to the fact that southampton southampton did elect to press high and therefore left spaces um so in fact at times they press so high that even Jacka, who's you know not exactly way up the pitch, was getting time um, to swing those to swing those passes out. And uh, the, the way I've often kind of found myself describing uh, the way we build play when when we play this way, and on occasions when we played well, it's like a V shape. Um, we have these kind of these connecting points that are really easy to see and you've kind of got Xhaka at the base of that and then you've got like Iwobi and Mkhitaryan uh, slightly advanced and then when they get the ball you get the full backs up and you, you kind of end up with that with that V shape going and we got that a lot um, and, and a big part of the reason we got that a lot is because like I said Southampton's midfield was kind of it, it wasn't exactly camped back on the edge of their area um you know they were they were pressing high and I kind of think they signed their own death warrant by doing so um but but you're right yeah we just it it could it could just be that people had a good day that the sun was shining um you know most of Jacka's passes were coming off either I've, I've not looked at the stats but I'm gonna bet that uh, Kolasinac was better than usual. Yeah, 84% um, for a player who's, you know, been in the yeah. 60s for the last month or so. Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? We got, hey presto, we got probably Stefan Lichtsteiner's best performance of the season yeah. before he went off um, as well because everything around him was functioning and it was, it was very obvious. It was, oh, Mkhitaryan's got the ball, my turn to overlap. And yeah, he's not getting up there at 120 miles an hour, but he got up there, he put loads of crosses in and he looked absolutely fine because, you know, the, the team was kind of functioning. And, and yeah, it could be, we could play again on Wednesday night and Bournemouth could do the same thing as Southampton and we could be stodgy and we could misplace passes and things might not go as well. But I, I do think there's something to be said for the fact that Southampton played into our hands a little bit and that that helped us. But but then from there, we we got quite confident, and some of that, some of the football we played in the last fifteen minutes was a real return to the one-touch pass and move mm. um, kind of stuff that that we've not we've just not seen for a few months now. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about how the second half differed and whether it differed by design or or you know response from Hassan Hoodle and and how we feel about that and what's coming up. So we got all that coming up. By the way, I want to thank everyone who's joined us on the Discord chat. Um, the private chat over on the Patreon side. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I realize that uh, Arsblog has launched one as well, so it was a lot of fun while it lasted, and we appreciated you there while you were there, so that's fantastic news. Um, but we'll still be there if you want to come chat with us amongst ourselves. It'd be like a text pod. Think of it that way, like the teletext days. I, 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 I'll be over on the Arsblog one. 
Okay, so I will be, <laughs> I will be there shouting my thoughts into the void. In other words, it'll basically be Twitter then, I guess. Um, in any event, we appreciate you guys, and, and thank you so much for, for signing up for that. And if you haven't, no big deal. We got lots of pods this week for everybody, so there's something for everyone. Um, in any event, we're going to take a break. We're going to sell you some sexy lingerie quite exuberantly because we're, we're thrilled about that. Some of you um, may have noticed that you're getting uh, Harry's Razor ads at, at various points during this um, podcast, and we, we appreciate them for being a part of it as well. We want you to know that while we love you, uh, our sponsors are like our children. There's no favorite child. We, we love them. We love them all. Uh, in any event, we'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed Lingerie. You can find them online at the Enclosed, the E N C L O S E D dot com. Enclosed Lingerie is a Lingerie of the Month club. That's right, just like a Beer of the Month club, only better because it's a high end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. Right now, if you put in Arsenal at checkout, they're going to give you $35 off any gift from Enclosed Lingerie. So you're going to want to go to theenclosed.com and sign up now. What better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from the enclosed? And the gifts keep coming every month. So while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance, to keep the intimacy in your relationship, the enclosed has your back. Every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift, and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship. So do it now. Go to theenclosed.com. There is a perfect fit guarantee, so you never have to worry about the fit. It's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie. Just go to theenclosed.com and enter promo code ARSENAL for $35 off at checkout. Do it now. Okay, we're back. Uh, quick wrap-up now. Let's let's get into the, the speed round here and and Tim, uh, just one of the things that I think we should highlight is the differentiation between the first half and the second half and maybe some reasons for it. Um, so Arsenal are averaging the fewest shots of any of the teams in the top six. We averaged just over 12, 12.4. Ironically, we actually had fewer than our season average shots in this game, 12. Yeah. yeah. But we had 11 of them in the first half. Yeah. So if you do math... There are two halves, so what you do is you multiply by two. That'd be 22 shots. If we're getting 22 shots off every game, we're going to win the league. Let me just say that. That's how that works. Um, Nobody does that. We don't do that. It's a shame because it'd be a lot of fun. But that gets to my point, which is I think we have come to accept that we're not a good defensive team. That Some of it is organization and coaching could be better, but a big part of it is also personnel. Is the reason people enjoyed this performance, and particularly the first half so much, not because we were locked down defensively, because we certainly weren't, but just because Arsenal fans are willing to tolerate a bit of a clown card defensively if you're getting up the pitch and taking 11 shots and a half. Yeah, definitely. And and look, let's kind of have it right. For the last couple of months, we haven't attacked or defended well um, at all. So if you get one of those things right... Plenty of opportunity um, to improve, Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you'll make people happy, and then if you you know if you go long enough with only one of those things right, then yes, people will start to complain more about the other thing. But you know you're starting from a, a fairly low bar, um, and and let's face it, we're football fans. We'd we'd despite what we say and what might be in our better nature at times, we'd probably prefer to see us attack better. So um, yeah, absolutely, and. And, and and I think, you know, the second half was kind of interesting because I, I think we see this a lot under Emery because once we were 2-0 up, we kind of not stopped playing. It's not quite that um, it, it's not quite that simple, but we definitely we we look to close the game down. And, and actually, it has to be said, we're quite good at doing it. Um, we've we've done it quite a few times now where, you know, you're inclined to we well, I think we're all inclined to complain about our oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to have seen another half like that. But actually, you know, one of the key complaints over the last few years is that you never felt like a game was over um, with Arsenal. Whereas with Emery's Arsenal at 2-0, um, you know, I, I'm not sure we're there yet in terms of, oh, yeah, we we definitely think we've won this. But I think we're kind of moving towards that. We, we are quite good at shutting these games out once uh, once we get our noses in front. So uh, during the second half. So there is value to that. It's not hugely exciting. But, um, you know, when you're in the business of results and points, it's it's very valuable. But yeah. And 
and you know I, I i wrote the article last week about how few shots we take and why i think that is and i i don't necessarily you know said in the piece i don't necessarily think it's a tactic not to shoot it's just the build-up has been so stodgy and overly precise and it's relied on players who are perhaps a little bit inconsistent and out of form and 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 that didn't happen um against southampton for any number of reasons and and that's why you've got like you know inconsistent players like iwobi you've got a brilliant game from iwobi um mikatarian who i like more than most people brilliant game out of mikatarian very good game out of Licksteiner. Great finish from Mkhitaryan, too. I mean, that's what we've been yeah, missing, yeah. right? Someone in front of goal who's just another person yeah. other than Oberlaka who can take take a finish that com- composium. And, and well, yeah, he's got five assists and two goals in his last 11, I think. So that's that's decent. And he's, um, after uh, Bamiyang, he's our most prolific shooter um, because he, you know, he's got two good feet and he's not afraid to have a go. So, you know, it's... it's, um, it's it's amazing once like the structure works you find the individuals tend to be okay and i i wonder if in our kind of analysis arsenal fans are, are getting very bogged down um in individuals and analyzing things through individuals and 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 that's probably because we can't really see anything on the pitch in terms of a structure and a philosophy but you know when when the structure's working the individuals are fine yeah yeah i that's absolutely right and i mean the other thing about shots is you know, you might get more shots depending on your system. You know, I remember a few seasons ago, Spurs took tons of shots because what they did is they created turnovers and then they shot from wherever they got the ball. It was a shoot-on-sight kind of policy. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're playing particularly well. It worked for them in that instance. But, like, I think because we play for crosses, crosses get completed at a relatively low rate. And if they are completed, they can lead to, you know, a cutback can lead to a very high XG chance but you're not going to complete a lot of cutbacks. And so you may not create a lot of... So look, you're not taking shots from the wing, you know, from, from you know, deeper than the 18-yard box and on the wing, you're not taking shots from there. There's no shooting opportunity. So it all comes down to whether you can complete uh, a cutback, and that's not super easy to do. And so our style, I'm not sure, is conducive to getting a lot of shots off. But, you know, Paul, I mean, it's, it's one shot in the second half. I think a little misleading. I think after Oba and, and Ozil came on, the game got a little bit stretched. It opened up a little. Aubameyang tried to feed Lacazette. Aubameyang had a shot blocked. Ozil had a shot that he kind of just scuffed and, and missed. He didn't, he didn't get a shot off. I mean, we had some chances to really hammer them in this game that we didn't take. I want to get your, your thoughts on the second half and um, whether you were frustrated by what you considered a, a defensive approach or whether you just thought it was sort of the natural flow of a game that we had fairly put to bed by halftime. Yeah, it didn't feel like a def- defensive approach to me at all i mean you expected anybody who didn't expect a a more conservative second half um i guess hasn't been watching football or at least arsenal that much i mean i well, tweeted especially from it a team that's got you know what two more games yeah. this week and three games yeah. in 10 days or whatever it is yeah, yeah and i tweeted at halftime note to self uh, expect a, a don't expect this level of performance in the second half but i still thought we were uh i wouldn't say we were out and out attacking but we weren't defensive uh that would have invited them on to us um i just think we were more about just a little bit more careful about maintaining the shape and exercising some control and as you alluded to we may not have had a lot of shots but we had plenty of good chances we could have uh, got what it wouldn't have been unreasonable to score another two goals in that second half. Um, I thought we did, I thought we managed it pretty well. And as you said, uh, we've got to pace ourselves. Uh, you can't be going, you can't do what we did in the first 45 for 90 minutes, three games in a row. So you turn it on, you get your goals. It, a clean sheet as well is probably as important. Prefer winning 2 0 than 3 1 or 4 2. That just smacks of a lack of control, which we don't really need right now, even if we had our own vulnerabilities in the game. So, um, I mean, interesting on the subs uh, is they were kind of all driven by fitness or injury in terms of who came on. Obviously, uh, Ramsey was his batteries were probably charging down. He was the one from a fitness standpoint. And it's kind of interesting who the subs were for. It was Ozil for Ramsey, 
to allow us to maintain the shape. And, you know, if we're going to see a lot of four, two, three, one from here on in, which might be a good sign because it probably means we're winning. Um, you could see that combo for the number 10 spot uh, alternating from game to game, as, as Tim talked about with Lacazette and Obama Yang. Um, and that was the original plan for Obama Yang coming on to take over from Lacazette, but it will be sprung a, a, a calf strain or something. Um, hopefully he's fine. So it, there were interesting subs, but if the pattern will be o- Ozil Ramsey and Obama Yang Lacazette, I think I'll be okay with that going forward in a 4-2-3-1 where each party's ideally playing 60-30, 70-20, depending on the game, depending on the fit, depending on who's in form, um, and generally keep this shape and structure. Yeah, um, I want to just quickly stay with you, Paul, really, really quickly. Uh, what, what did you think of Suarez's performance this game? You're a terrible man. He, he was awful. I, you almost, I didn't even notice him on the pitch the whole game. Look, look you, as we said before, you love playing whack-a-mole, but you only hit the one mole. And it used to be a Wobi, but now he's playing too good for you. Now you're on to poor old Dennis Suarez, who's just working out where that feckin' chicken place you just, in, in do, London honestly, is. Honestly, just go back and delete all the tweets you made about Dennis Suarez, our whole argument. Just delete it and take the L on this one. Look, Tim, I, Tim I think he'll come good. Tim, it's no, that's not happening. Yeah. Tim, get yeah, my back no, here. He might. He Dennis, might. Dennis Suarez, in or out? Are you Suarez in or you Suarez out? Um, I'd have to. I'd have I've to seen seven minutes of him. I clearly but, know enough to, to decide. <laughs> but uh, I, I actually find it quite funny how um you know not many people but a few people are like what this was a waste of time. He's not playing. I mean, this is a guy we brought in on loan. And we we didn't we didn't want an obligation to buy, so I'd be quite worried if three weeks into his time at Arsenal he'd become a really important player. He's been brought in as a, as a short term rotation. I got, I, I got to pull you up on that. So if he had twelve goals already, you'd be quite worried. <laughs> but maybe not, maybe not. But if <laughs> like I I think it would show a certain level of desperation if yeah, he was like you, yes, an absolute lock. I mean he's he's been brought in clearly because you know the manager wants those wide forwards. He's only got two of them. He wanted a third one and you know it makes a certain amount of sense to keep Awobi and Mikatarian going. They're both playing reasonably well at the moment. They're both producing some end products. Um another assist for Awobi um today uh, on Sunday so you know, there's he's he's beginning to develop his end product. Um, Did he have Which has always been a yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for Mkhitaryan, of course. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a Mkhitaryan's yeah. goal. Yeah. Um, w- yeah would you so, be more concerned if I told you right now we o- what? What if I told you a decision had already been made to retain Suarez for the twenty million? Yeah, I'd 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 be I'd be more worried then. Um, because then we'd we'd really uh, you know albeit you could say well this is like a settling in period and next seasons where um, he really comes into it yeah I, I'd be a bit more then but I mean I I understood the whole basis of the thing was the deal was dead with the obligation to buy until Suarez pushed it, it pushed it through himself by signing the contract so I I somehow doubt that that's the case because otherwise why did the signing takes so long and all the information we have is that Arsenal absolutely didn't want that and they didn't want it with Perisic and they didn't want it with all their other options so um, it, w- it would it would surprise me if, if it was there by the back door like why would that happen? Yeah, I mean that ma- that makes sense. Um, okay, well I don't know why I brought up Dennis Suarez and just decided to, to be petty about that <laughs> because he, you. he played no part in that game but I felt like it was a stick I could beat uh, Paul with and I just really wanted to beat Paul. Um, not, not off that. That's a different thing. And I, I love you, Paul, but I don't want to do that. Um, bar us off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, whatever. Um, Hey Tim, are you encouraged that, that both Ozil and Oba, I thought had, had pretty good cameos in this one. I mean, Ozil hasn't always thrived as a sub. I thought he came on and, and you know, look, he, he wasn't like the greatest player of all time, but he did Ozily things, and Aubameyang got into a lot of good, dangerous positions. I mean, I, I think these are players we'd both like to see in good form. I think I had started to worry that maybe Aubameyang's form was dipping a little bit. He looked really bright in the cameo. Were those encouraging cameos for you, or, or one or the other? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. In the I, so I thought individually, yeah, they they came on, they did some nice things, they did some good things. I I do think Arsenal's um, Arsenal lost their structure a little bit when they came on, and you could kind of see why. You know, I said at the outset, I, I'm not sure that Abamyang and Özil are Emery's guys per se because they don't really play to a structure. And that's that's less of a problem for Aubameyang because he's up front and he just wants to bang goals in, and that's fine with Özil. It's it's slightly more because he's slightly more involved. Uh, and and this is like this isn't a shot at either player. Like it's it's through no fault of their own. They're they're just both players that um, play with a certain amount of freedom and play on their instincts and like to improvise. And when that comes off, that's brilliant. And we saw that with the move where Özil does a lovely flick to Aubameyang and yeah. he goes away and gets the cross and we nearly get the goal. But I, I do also think that it, it went a little bit, um, you know, our, our attack did go a little bit. But at the same time, there's obviously more of a context there because the game was kind of over and we were controlling it. And, you know, and the, and the game was a little bit stretched and a little bit chaotic. And Southampton made two changes at half time. And actually, one of one of the things that went in our favour was that one of the changes they made um, was it Oberfemi had to go yeah, off left again. Left with a hamstring, yep. Which, I did not yeah, want to which, see him running at top speed against our centre-back, so that was good. No, well, Lichstein already kind of had a muscle injury yeah. trying to keep up with him. So, you know, they they went for him and they went for Charlie Austin. And that told you that they were going to go direct. And in fact, the first thing they did from kickoff was just plant the ball um, behind Licksteiner and let Oberfemi run, run at him. And I was actually quite glad to see him go off. Um, and, and that, I think, uh, affected the game state a little bit as well. And Mustafi having to come on affected the game state. So I think the game had been disrupted as well. So when I say I think our structure went a little bit when we brought Ozil and Aubameyang on, I, you know, I don't think that's entirely down to them. There were other things going on. And like I said, the, the main thing was, was the game state at that moment. So yeah, I was, I was enthused enough, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 I thought they giveth and tooketh away. They did indeed. Uh, Paul, picking the last few bones out of this one, Mustafi moved over to fullback and you'll be shocked to hear that. I did not think he was any better there. Uh, do you want to be the counsel for the defense? Uh, well, what I would say is uh, I think a lot of people came away from this game uh, fully appreciating Mustafi as a centre-back now. Given that <laughs> as, as compared to him as a full Well, yeah, this definitely puts <laughs> to bed the maybe we can hide him as a fullback. Maybe not, huh? Yeah, that, that's been a popular uh, concept. Look, all right, I'll make the case. Look, it's, no, it's just his, it's his first game. The poor fellow, you got to let him grow into it. But yeah, he was fucking terrible. But he was good at center <laughs> back on the ball. I love it. But anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree. All right, well, so, I mean, I, I think it, the football was fucking excellent this weekend. I mean, what can you say? If you can't enjoy what happened this weekend, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Because we won and everybody else imploded and had a, a really shitty weekend. Of the, of, of the non-Arsenal stuff, Paul... Um, and I'll actually say of the non-Kepa thing, because the Kepa thing was next level fucking crazy. What did you enjoy? What, from a Shaden Freud perspective, what uh, what did you enjoy the most? Uh, there's a lot to choose from there's there. There's a lot to choose um, from. There is. Uh, um, well, like the most important thing, I wish, Liverpool, or, or I wish uh, United had lost. Uh, I, I mean, it's all very complicated. Liverpool, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, depends on how much of a factor Liverpool supporters are to you, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we could have done, that was the only thing from a point standpoint, uh, would have been nice to, uh, but on the plus side, they have all those injuries and, and that probably from the long term, that could be where the additional points come from. Um, I guess it's got to be, uh, Spurs getting stuff too, and that was pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, I think the image of Pochettino raging at Mike Dean at full time is is one that every Arsenal fan can enjoy. Tim, for you, uh, a sh- How yeah, sorry? that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim, a Shaden Freud moment for you. Um, so I didn't see the Spurs game because um, I was covering the women's game and I didn't see Liverpool United because obviously the Arsenal game was going on. So for, for me, it had to be the Carabao Cup final. I, I, I have to be honest, I think the Kepa thing's being slightly overplayed. Um, You're such a killjoy, man. It's, 
it was fucking hysterical. It, 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 oh, it is. Don't get me wrong. It's got, it's got a lot of um, soap opera uh, value. I, I don't think it's hugely important. Um, but it, yeah, it had great, like, um, it was great, great the, the, television. The kept a wink way. after it all settled down <laughs> right into the camera. I, I mean, I screenshotted that. That's definitely going to be on my Twitter feed a oh, few yeah, times yeah, this season. Yeah. And, you know, all this, they should sack him or one oh, yeah. of him or sorry has to go. Do you know what happens? He's going to play the next game and everyone's going to forget about it. That's what's going to happen. But Look, um, this is short attention span theater. But, make no, make no mistake about it. But for for me, so I, I went to watch watch that game at the pub, and uh, a few of my mates were like, oh, "I think City are just going to cruise past them. I'm going to enjoy this kind of thing." And I said, "Oh, I think City will win, but I don't think it will be that easy." And I kind of said at the beginning, "Do you know what would be even more funny if it went all the way to penalties and then Chelsea lost? Because you know, to have the hope and to be absolutely knackered." By playing Man City for 120 minutes, and and that's how it turned out. And um and then like so, I left the pub the instant the penalty shootout was over because um I live in South London, so I thought right, I want to get on my train before the Chelsea fans get there. But um because the rail system in the UK is profoundly broken, I had to wait over half an hour. And so just um, move somewhere like America, where there is no rail system at all. <laughs> and I uh, had to yeah, and and then ended up on a platform with loads of them which actually ended up being okay because they were all sad and miserable and nobody said anything racist so yeah Yeah. america's cool though because you can like shoot your way onto the train jesus (laughs) christ (laughs) i mean now i feel like i have to make a chelsea train racism joke but i just don't have one at my fingertips without stealing uh heisenberg camps from twitter where after the Keppa thing, I'm just going to credit him because it's hilarious. He said, Chelsea fans haven't been this mad since they reintegrated the trains. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, okay, so l- let's just look forward super quick. Um, Paul, as far as lessons learned from the Southampton game, what it, what do you expect in terms of, of uh, Bournemouth? It's an away game. We've got Spurs at the weekend. We've got Wren after that. Um, both in terms of rotation and formation, what do you think he might do for the midweek? Um, so it's going to, I take it back by the way, it's a home game, home game against Bournemouth. Yeah. If you remember the first, the first game against them was the one where he tested the back three for the first time, I think. And we did quite well and it kind of became a thing from there. So it would be poetic if it, it, if it, if it's final nail was against Bournemouth and we, we didn't use it against them this time. Sure. But I, I think you'd be tempted to go four, two, three, one, whether we were playing them home or away, if we were playing them away, they, hopefully come at us uh, in in Eddie Howe style. But obviously, they're playing at home. So I guess his gamble... We're playing at home. So I guess his gamble is... Uh, is Eddie and the... Are Eddie and the boys going to want to sit deep against us? Uh, which they're, they're quite capable of doing. Um, I think Eddie will have watched uh, the game against Southampton and said, well, I'm not going to do that then. So... It's going to be an interesting test. It'll be a different kind of a game, most likely. Uh, they usually are. Um, so I It'll definitely be against a different team. It'll be against a different team. Some of the names will be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the outcomes will be a d- bit different, even in the same kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll Wet do... Weather might be different. One. Yeah. Different yeah, day. Yeah. It'll be Wednesday instead of, instead of Sunday. Um, yeah. Tim, Tim do, you have any, do you have anything... Of any intellectual be. value to add, please. Um, do do I ever? Uh, <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, no, I mean, do do you do you expect a, a rotation policy now? And and I mean, yeah. but but stick with the same system. How do you see him going? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He kind of said that, didn't he, after the game? He said something about um, we'll play players in some games and players in other. I, I think that's what he was getting at. It was like, look, we'll have pretty much the same system, maybe two or three, you know, some light rotation. But yeah, we might see, you know, Monreal, for example. We might see Gendouzi again. We might see Aubameyang start. But I don't see any, like, profound changes to the system. I mean, it is one of those tricky things, right? You finally click in a way that you haven't clicked for a bit against Southampton, will he be the kind of sort of superstitious manager who doesn't trust it to work if he changes it and try to run out the same 11, you know, just three days later? Do do you think there's a risk of that, that he'll say, I better not mess with this because it worked? No. No, no. no. Given his comments after the game, I I think, 
I think there'll be some light rotation. Okay, so the last question then. How are you feeling about top four right now? I mean, United have injuries and we've pulled ahead of them. Chelsea seem to be imploding at some level. We're ahead of them. I don't think Spurs can be caught. I'm sure there's some people listening saying, of course they can. Never give up hope. Never give up hope. It's the hope that kills you, friends. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I saw one statistical analysis today that had us as the favorites. Now, by favorites, I don't mean over 50%, but of us, Chelsea and United, we were slight Mm. favorites among them. How are you feeling about top four right now? Yeah, we're we're very much in the conversation, and that's um, that's that that's that's probably the best we could have hoped for, I think, at this stage. So, um, yeah, I, th- I you know, I basically I, I don't know which way it's going to go. I suspect United might just have. I I think that game against United on March the tenth might might end up telling us a lot. Um, actually, I th- I think it could come down to what happens in that game. Um, I I do think they've probably got the momentum at this stage and Solskjaer not being Mourinho might just carry them over the line for the next Mm. couple of months. But, you know, they've they've got a lot of injuries. We've we've probably got the better run in. Yeah, they um, have the tougher three teams. Mm -hmm. And if Chelsea stick with Sarri for much longer, you know, it's very up and down under him at the moment. Because um, they might get the new manager bounce, and they they might they might chuck him, and they might go with Zola, and Chelsea might get exactly the same thing that that uh, United have had under Solskjaer. So wait, so wait. It's, I want to make sure I, I understand this correctly. You're saying we should sack Emery so we too can get a new manager bounce and finish fourth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Gosh, that, Tim, that's, what, that's aggressive. That, but okay. What about well, that, timing? <laughs> Th- that's what teams do to try and avoid relegation, don't they? Maybe that will start happening in the top four race. Everyone will just wait till February, sack the manager, and just get like an old club legend in to give everyone like a bit of a feel good factor for a couple of months. Tony Adams carrying us to fourth. I see it now. Yeah, um, yeah maybe not. Uh, hey, do you guys want me to end with a little factoid that'll piss you and all the listeners off? Yeah, go for it. Wren requested a postponement of their league match yeah. to prepare for Arsenal, and it was granted. Their league match was postponed just so they could have more time to prepare for a Europa League tie. Can you imagine the Premier League? Like, they'd be like, uh, yeah, we'll postpone it to Monday instead of Sunday. Now you can play on Monday. I mean, that well, is outrageous. They just, they just have to directly contact the four people who watch Ren on TV. So oh, it's shots fired. Shots fired. He's pausing in my pants. Thank Paul, thanks for joining us. You can find him on Twitter. Pausing in my pants. Thanks, Paz. Woohoo. Tim's on Twitter. It's Stilberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Credit to the Discord chat for uh, pointing me towards that Ren story, which is quite outrageous. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter. Yankee Gunner, give us five-star review. Write nasty things about Clive. Don't. He's very sensitive. Don't do that. That's very mean. Write nasty things about Scott. He's He deserves it. In any event, we, uh, we are excited. We got so much good stuff coming up. A lot of good football. I cannot wait till the weekend when we smash Spurs away and then smash Ren, finish top four, win the Europa League. All good things, friends. All good things. And it starts when we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Bournemouth now. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.